You are listening to the weekly message at Woods Chapel Blue Springs, where it doesn't matter who you are or where you are coming from. Everyone is included, accepted, and loved. For more information, please visit us at woodschapelbluesprings.org. Good morning. My name is Michael Scott, and I'm the pastor here at Wood Chapel Church here in Blue Springs. And I want to wish everybody a happy fourth. I know a lot of you will be creating special moments today. You'll be spending time with family and friends and celebrating. And uh, so in honor of that, we decided to do online church only today. So during COVID, of course, we embraced the online experience, and we said, you know, on this day, we want people to spend time with family and friends and loved ones around them, and so we said, let's just do church online. So I'm recording this earlier in the week, and I hope everybody today has the opportunity to spend time with people they love, and I hope today is an amazing day. Now, this is week three of a sermon series that we're calling Wisdom where we're searching for wisdom, and we're looking at some of the dumb things that we've done in life uh, that maybe distract us from being true people that have wisdom, and we learn from those mistakes. And we've been looking at different stories in the Bible, and we've been reading them, and we've been taking examples from the Bible and walking through them about how we can gain wisdom. Now, the first week, we talked about Proverbs 1. So there's three books in the Bible that talk about wisdom. It's Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Psalms. In that first week, we looked at the very first chapter of Proverbs, and Proverbs was written by, it's attributed at least to King Solomon, and he was a wise king who was very wealthy and did very well for himself, and he compiled all these bits of wisdom. And we started at the very beginning of that because he said, the very first thing you do, the very first thing that you start with is that we bow, and it says we bow to God. And really what Solomon was trying to encourage us to do is that we let things teach us. We allow God to teach us lessons in life. And sometimes that's from reading other people's experiences, and sometimes that's from our own experiences. And to bow means that we allow something, we submit to it. We let our hard lessons of life teach us and shape us and encourage us. And so that's where we started. That was week one. Now week two, we went a little different route and we talked about, you know, how can we get wisdom in the way we spend our time and our, not just our time, but our resources like money. And we talked about how often we look at life and it's about the reward. or We think it's about the reward uh, when we work. We get rewarded with money or a paycheck. And we often attach our value or who we are to those things that we can buy with that paycheck. So money can buy cars or houses or fancy clothes. And in Ecclesiastes, uh, the same author of Ecclesiastes invites us into a different space, that the joy of life, that the wisdom uh, of life comes from the work itself and not from the reward of work. Actually, the work itself is the reward. That's where we find joy in life, is in the things that we do, not in the payment of the, that we get from the work. And so I challenge everybody that, that to find that joy in the work and to be careful and to be cautious of the way we spend our resources. They, they should flow through us. Now, today it's going to be focused on time. Now, how many of you have said phrases like, uh, I don't have time for that, or I'm going to carve out a little bit of time, or I just wish I had more time? Do you do this? I do this all of the time. Well, last week uh, after church, I ran off uh, to Liberty. Uh, my son Brian and I were here. As soon as church was over, we got into the car. We rushed up there because my daughter's annual dance recital was going on. So my wife and daughters were already there. Now, we've been going to dance recitals for 15 years. 
My oldest daughter is going to be 21 here in a few months, and since she was five years old, she's been dancing, and then my other two daughters have been dancing. So for 15, 16 years, we've been going to dance recitals, and we didn't have a dance recital last year. So a lot of you who are involved with sports or dance or any kind of kids' activities, we didn't get to do that last year, or at least we saw a different form of it. So I rush, Brian and I, we rush up to uh, Liberty and we're at a performing arts building and we get there and all the kids are dancing. They're all having their routines and everything. And and I'm sitting there and it's myself and then Brian's next to me and my wife and then my mother-in-law and my niece. And and we're all sitting there and, and, and all of a sudden as it starts and there's all this music and all these, all these kids coming out dancing, there's something beautiful in it. I love the arts. So I love music, uh, I love reading, anything that's creative and dancing. And so in this world of dance recitals, I get both music and I get dancing. And there was this one routine where both of my daughters were in it, and I'm watching them, and, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is, I've forgotten how much I love this. I've forgotten how much I missed it. And it's in that moment that I'm transported to a different place. I'm transported to all the other years, the 15 or 16 years that we've been doing this and all the memories and and all the emotion. And all of a sudden, I'm made very aware that I am not the first to experience this, that there are many people that have gone before me that have experienced the same thing with their kids, whether it be a dance recital or a playoff game at baseball or maybe it's a soccer tournament that there was something beautiful in it. And I'm watching my two daughters dance, remembering my other daughter when she used to dance and when she was little. And and there's just tears, and tears well up in my eyes. And and I begin to cry, and I look over at my wife, and she's crying, and and she looks at me, and she just kind of laughs. And I'm transported in this moment to this very sacred and special place, to a place that I don't get to go to that often. And I'm here, and I'm experiencing whatever that is, And in that moment, I'm like, oh my gosh, where did the time go? Do you do this? Like, where's all this time gone? And I start to think about, oh my gosh, I don't have that much time left. And then I spiral. And this beautiful moment that I'm in, this experience that I'm having is instantly ripped away from me, from my own anxiety and worry about I'm not going to have enough time. This is going to go away at some point. And I find myself right back in the spot in which I arrived. But there was a brief moment in time, there was a brief glimpse into something that I accessed and I was a part of. So what is time? What was that moment in time? What was I accessing? What was I a part of? I want to talk about time of itself. Now, time is a construct. Uh, Time is relative and time is something that we came up with. So my nerd brain, my science brain comes out with some of this because uh, time is just the measurement of large bodies, right? Like the earth and the moon and the sun and how we rotate around them. And so we as humans have made up the concept of time. And time is not even an absolute. Here's what I mean by that. We all experience time differently. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Some more details about time and, and maybe even this word we call eternity, uh, which, is, which is a lot of time, as we think. But time is experienced different for different people. And if you've ever seen the movie Interstellar, there's this scene in the movie where it's a, it's a sci-fi movie, where Matthew McConaughey, he goes out into space and he's next to a black hole. Now, the black hole is so dense that when you get closer to a black hole, time slows down. And he's on 
he's near this black hole on this planet for two hours, but when he's there for two hours, 15 years passes on earth. That was not science fiction. That was not a farce. That's a real thing. Well, we have satellites rotating around the earth and satellites uh, that tell us how to get to places. They are GPS satellites. Now, there is a time dilation difference between a satellite that revolves around the earth and somebody who is on earth, right? So the closer you are to an object, object, the slower time is. And it's all relative to the density of an object. That's not important. But they actually have to account for this. There's like 38 milliseconds in a day of time difference between a satellite that rotates around the earth and somebody who is actually on the earth. And so they have to account for this. And I think it's in as little as two hours, if they didn't constantly account for this time delay, how time is experienced in different ways between where you are in relation to the universe, then it would throw the whole system off within a matter of two hours. Now, I find that interesting. And and I tell you that because time is not an absolute. We tend to think of time as linear, right? I was born. I went to school. I graduated, I got married, I had kids, I retired. And then, of course, as we think of it, one of the final or the final stage of time is then death. And we think of time as this linear thing that we can go back and forth in. But time is a little more malleable than that. Time is not an absolute because we can access those different moments in time with our brain. We can access those moments, we can go backwards in time, right? We can access those memories, we can remember, like when I was at that studio, that performing arts building, remembering, accessing something that wasn't happening right then, but I was accessing it. The the same is true about the future. We can think about the future, we can access the future in our minds. And so time isn't just linear, actually it's not linear. You see, time is isolated to right here and right now. It's only in the present in which we can experience life in the moment, and it's only in the present in which we can remember back or access memories or think about the future. It's only right here and right now. And so time is relative to us. Time is malleable. Time is a construct that we came up with. Now, I want to talk about, we're going to read a story in the Bible here in just a second, that specifically talks about time. And I am going somewhere with this. So time is relative. Time is a construct. Time is not the same for me as it is for you. Like physically, it's not the same. And we experience time in different ways. But the only way we experience time, past, present, and future, is only right here, right now. The only time we have right, is right here, right now. We can't go backwards. We can't go forwards. It's just right here, right now. So I want to read from Ecclesiastes 3. So Ecclesiastes is one of the books uh, that we gain wisdom from. And in Ecclesiastes 3, the author is talking about time. Now, you've probably heard this scripture before because it was made into a song a long time ago uh, by the birds. Uh, For everything, there is a season. For everything, turn, turn, turn. That's a a song based on this scripture. So I'm going to read it for you, and we're going to dig into it. It says, For everything that happens in life, there is a season, a right time for everything under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to collect the harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to pile them up, a time for a warm embrace and a time to keep your distance, a time to search 
and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw out, a time to tear apart and a time to bind together, a time to be quiet and a time to speak up, a time to love and a time to hate, a time to go to war and a time to make peace. What good comes to anyone who works so hard all to gain a few possessions? So the author is talking about time. He's very aware that there is time and he identifies everything, everything under the sun, under heaven, on earth, every time and place for the things in life, right? We build up, we tear down, there's war, there's peace, there's love, there's hate. All the things in life that we experience as time, as a construct that we understand as time, as we rotate around the sun, as we understand it, that is time. He said there is a time and a place for everything, but he said there's something else. He says, I have seen the kinds of tasks God has given each of us to keep one busy. And I know God has made everything beautiful for its time. God has also placed in our minds a sense of eternity. I want to read that again. God has also placed in our minds a sense of eternity. What the author is saying is that there is time. There are real things. There are real things we experience. There are calendars. There are watches. There are clocks. There is time as we understand it, but there's something else. There's not just a time and a place for everything. There's something else that we were created with that is inside of us. And the way he defines that is eternity. We look back on the past and ponder over the future, yet we cannot understand the doings of God, right? So this thing, this eternity, it's something that we don't understand, but it's inside of us. We can access it. I know there is nothing better for us than to be joyful and to do good throughout our lives, to eat and drink and see all the good and all of our hard work It is a gift from God, right? We talked about that last week. It's in the work itself that is a gift, okay? I know everything God does endures for all time. So whatever God is, is the thing that is, endures for all time, okay? Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can take away from it. We humans can only stand in awe of of all that God has done. We humans can only stand in awe of what everything that God has done, what has been and what is to be already is. That scripture, what is, what has been, what is, and what is to be already is. It's the same concept what I just talked about. The only thing we have is this moment. The only thing we have is the present. That's why we call it the present. It's a gift. It's a gift to us. This is all we have is, is right now. Now we have all the things that are around us. We have all the tangible things. We have the things that we can see. We have all the experiences of life. But the author of Ecclesiastes is saying there's something else other than just the experiences of life we have. Other than just the tangible things that we see all around us. There's something else going on. There is something that we were created with. Now this thing that the Ecclesiastes author says, he says, it is set in our hearts, in our hearts and minds, a sense of eternity. Now, what the heck does that mean? I think what he's trying to describe is our soul or our spirit. A sense of eternity is our soul and our spirit. Now, this idea of eternity, right? How many of you think that eternity is just an extension of time? 
I know language gets really difficult here to describe this because it's very conceptual. But a lot of us think of eternity as just a really long time, right? Think of a calendar or think of years or uh, on your phone, you have all these little blocks of time. You got to click on it, right? To, to fill something out, to remind yourself that you have to do something. Eternity is, is not just the extension of time as we know it. You see, I believe eternity in which God created us and put inside of us, eternity means that it is outside of time. So it's not an extension of time. Eternity is outside of time. It's something we access that is outside of ourselves, right? The Bible just talks about this all the time, that we are a part of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Heaven is the sky. Heaven is the unknown, that we are a part of something that is greater than us, that our lives is not just us, that we are all connected to something. In Hebrews 12, it talks about this great cloud of witnesses that we are all a part of, that there is spirit, that there is soul, and all those things, those are the things that connect us to God, and they exist outside of time in the space called eternity. And I believe that we can access that eternity that when Jesus talks to us about eternal life, which in and of itself is a paradox, right? How can you have eternity and life? Life is fleeting. Life is temporary. Life is only here and now. But eternity, well, that's outside of life as we know it. That's outside of time. Now, I think we struggle with these ideas. We don't quite grasp them. We want to think in our terms, what is relative to us. We want to think of our own constructs of how, many, how long it takes to revolve around the sun. We want our calendars. We want our clocks. We want to arrive. And those are all good things. I'm not saying that time doesn't exist. What I'm saying is that we have the ability to access something that exists outside of time. Now, I believe when we die, I believe that we are no longer tied to time. Space and time is relative. Einstein told us that, right? They, are, they coexist in the same space. I believe when we die, we become outside of time. I believe God exists outside of time. But that's hard for us to understand. You see, the origins of our faith talk about a God. The origins of our faith start with this guy named Abraham. Now, Abraham, he was the originator of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. All start with Abraham. And Abraham comes up with this theology the belief in a one God. And he meets God and, and, and he has this encounter with God and he says, who do I tell people that you are? Who are you? How do I describe you? What is your name? Because all their gods had names. And how does God reply? God replies with, I am. Not I have been, not I will be, but I am. And he's inviting us into that same space that we are. We are here. We are now. We are present. We are in this moment. Actually, the beyond, the eternal, was so sacred that early, early Hebrew people didn't even speak the name of God. Because the second you speak the name of God, you've taken God that is outside of time, that is eternal. Once you speak his name, you've made it real, you've made it subjective, and you've made it into an object. Right? It's the same reason why they weren't supposed to worship idols. If they made an idol that looked like supposedly their God, then God ceases to be God because God cannot be contained in a statue or a figure or even a word. So they didn't even speak the name of God because God is eternal. God is outside of time. But we're not good with understanding that concept. We want our concept of time to be the only concept. 
But I believe to access spirit, to access soul, to participate with God means that we have brief glimpses of what eternity looks like and will look like in our life. Now, we struggle with this idea. And so what do we do? We worry about the past or about our past or who we are or who we've been, or we're concerned about the future. Right now in our culture, we have people that are dealing with anxiety and depression. And all of those things stem from not being in the present. All anxiety and depression stem from worrying about the future or worrying about the past. When we are in those places, we are ceasing to be right here, right now, in this moment. And then we begin to use phrases like, where has the time gone? Or I'm worried. When I meet somebody on their deathbed, there's always phrases like, I wish I'd have spent more time with family. Or I wish I would have made more time for this. You can't ever make up for lost time. Actually, it's a really bad way to say it because we don't lose time. Because that is focusing in the past or focusing in the future. That creates anxiety and depression. Being present, being in the moment, being active with your thoughts and your soul and your spirit and one with God and with those around you, that is what's healing. That's how we avoid the anxiety and depression and the struggle. But we're not good at it. We're distracted constantly. Uh, and there's a myriad of reasons. Our cell phones probably be in number one, social media, news outlets. I mean, there's lots of things that distract us from being and participating in the here and now. I want to read another scripture because I believe it deals and it talks about how this concept of time and this concept of eternity play out in our lives. I want to read from 2 Corinthians. Now, 2 Corinthians was written by a guy named Paul. Paul was an entrepreneur that traveled around and went to people's homes and went to their businesses. And he had gathered people together and they talk about faith and spirituality and this guy named Jesus. And they drink and they would eat and they would have a good time. And he just traveled from town to town to town to this. And most of the early churches and the churches we know as it exists today, our faith as it exists today is all because of Paul. And Paul goes to this town of Corinth. And at some point he writes this letter. He says, so we aren't depressed, but even if our bodies are breaking down on the outside, the person that we are on the inside is being renewed every day. Our temporary minor problems are producing an eternal stockpile of glory for us that is beyond all comparison. Here's the really important part. We don't focus on the things that can't be seen. That can be seen. Sorry, I said that wrong. We don't focus on the things that can be seen, but on the things that can't be seen. The things that can be seen don't last, but the things that can't be seen are eternal. I believe our paradigm, our struggle, is that we think somehow we can manipulate time. We think we can get more of it. We think we can carve more of it. We think we can allot more time or make time. Or, or what is this idea of quality time? As if we can change the nature of time. That scripture is inviting us into a place that we access time in a different way. Actually, that we remove ourselves from it. You see, when we focus on things that are around us or our concept of life or on the tangible around us, those things are fleeing. All things around us are going to perish and die. Shocker, spoiler alert, we're all going to die at some point. We don't know when that is. That sounds harsh. That sounds creepy. That sounds a little dark, but it's true. What we do know is that we have right now. We have today. So we don't focus on the tangible things around us. 
We don't focus on the things that we can see. We focus on the things we can't see. The unseen. The seer. And that is a really abstract and awkward and weird thing to do or to ask of somebody. I believe Paul is inviting us into a place that actually reduces anxiety, reduces depression. He's saying you need to focus on the things that we can't see. You see, God is the unseen. God is the unknown. And when we focus on those things, things like love and hope and grace, kindness, charity, these are things that are never changing, never ending. That is our hope. When our focus is on those things, it can transport us into a place of eternity outside of time. And the way we access that is by being present in the moment. The next day, I'm driving around, and my youngest daughter, Kira, was in the car with me. And we're driving home from somewhere, and I think we'd maybe grab something to eat. And as we're driving home, we're, I, I was on the phone. I, I think I was talking to my friend, Megan. And I'm on the phone, and... My daughter's like rolling her eyes. We were supposed to go out and have a meal together. And she's like, dad, get off the phone, right? Do you guys do this? Do you have moments that you're supposed to be spending and being present, but you're not? I'm in this moment. I find myself on the phone and she's looking at me and she's, she's kind of pouty over in the seat next to me. She's sitting like this. And I was like, honey, what's wrong? It's like, dad, this is supposed to be our time. Get off the phone. I said, you know, you're right. I'm sorry. So I tell Megan I have to go and I hang up the phone and we're driving along and we're almost home at this point. And she says, dad, we're almost home. Can we just drive around for a little bit? I said, sure. Now you should know, uh, all my kids, my oldest is almost 21, but all my kids, uh, even to this day, we'll just go out and we drive and, and we listen to music and, and we open the windows and the sunroof and we scream and, and we sing at the top of our lungs and, and we have these amazing moments we're getting ready to go on vacation here in a few weeks. And for the first time, we're taking two cars because there's so many of us. And it breaks my heart because I'm like, that's one of my favorite parts of vacation is that we're all in the same space and we're singing and we're enjoying each other's company. We're being present. So we're driving around the lake and she has my phone and I have Bluetooth and she, she goes to something and she puts on this song. And one of our favorite movies is called The Greatest Showman. And in that movie, there's this song called A Million Dreams. And it's one that we sing all the time. And every time we sing it and watch it, we just cry. And we're driving around and we're yelling and screaming at the top of our lungs, singing this song. We pull into the garage. My wife comes out. We're in the garage. And we're just yelling and screaming and crying. And in that moment, I'm taken back to all the places I've been with my kids and with those that I love I'm taken to a special place. I'm transcended into another place outside of time where there's love and there's encouragement and there's beauty. And I'm just there in that moment. The song ended and I took my sunglasses off with the tears in my eyes. It's like, dad, why are you crying? And I'm like, one day, one day you'll know. I simply thanked her and said, thank you for this moment. And then immediately, guess where my head went? Oh my gosh, how many more of these do I have? 
I'm immediately flung back into this place of anxiety or depression. And if you find yourself in that place today, if you find yourself worrying about where you are or where you've been, what I want to invite you into is a different kind of place. A place where we can access something that is outside of time, this thing that God calls eternity, where God exists. And the way we access that is by being present, by embracing moments, by looking at people, knowing who they are, embracing them, being there with them without the distractions of the world. And these glimpses are so small and they're so brief. I believe it's the thing that gives us hope that when we die, this is the thing that we get to go to in the beyond. Or as the Bible calls it, the unknown, the heavens. Wherever you find yourself today, and a lot of you are going to find yourself with friends and family and loved ones and barbecuing and fireworks and grills and whatever it is, be. The God that calls himself I am invites us to a place where we can just be where we are. I hope you can find that today. As you think of those opportunities, as you think of ways in which you can just be. And by the way, uh, I believe one of the ways we access that is through prayer, meditation, through reading, through the arts. There's lots of ways to access this. If you have questions about that, feel free to email me, call me, reach out to me on Facebook, whatever medium. But as you think of ways to just be today, to be present, to access eternity, to be in a moment and time, Let's go to God. God, we thank you for the gift of being, that we are human beings. We aren't just human doings. God, help us to be in this moment. Help us to be right here, right now. Help us to access the soul and spirit inside that points us to you, that points us to a place that exists outside of time. God, we don't understand that with our brains, but we can feel it in our hearts and it is inside of all of us. This thing that you call eternity. Help us to embrace those moments. Help us to lean into them. Help us to participate in them. God, we love you. We thank you for this moment right now. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll join us again next week.